a new series for a new year. How does that sound? Sound okay? One small step. I hope you have picked up your postcard and you have handed that out to a friend, a barista, a waiter, someone to invite them to come. Can I let you know that there were uh, two of you who took up this challenge that I know of and I met the person that you invited. So that's 100%, two for two. Now maybe some of you did and I don't know about it, but... uh, This is to become a part of the culture of who we are. We are going to be an inviting church. To say, we want you here. We think you belong here. That is our goal. That is our hope. That is our mantra. Whatever you want to call it. That is what we are called to say. You belong here. We want you here. And here's an invitation. You come and see us. Well, we're going to begin today by reading from John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and we'll begin at verse uh, 39 there. So if you would, take your Bible, however you get your Bible, electronically or in the book form. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 39. Would those of you who are able, would you stand in reverence for the reading of the Gospel according to John? John chapter 4 beginning at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Him, they urged Him to stay with them. And He stayed two days. And because of His words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the Word. Of the world, sorry, and the Word. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Your Son that You would come and speak good news to us. Help us as Your church to lean into this series. For I believe this is our place of greatest need of growth. So send your Spirit that enables and empowers, that awakens, enlivens our hearts, and opens our minds. Help us to say yes to your life-transforming grace today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, some of you know, or maybe some of you don't know, that back in November, we had our four-year review. Now, part of that review, that what that means is that a part of our structure as a denomination, as a church of the Nazarene, is uh, pastors are called, and then their first review is after two years, and from then on, if things are going well, uh, it's every four years. And so we were at ten years, so it was my second four-year review. And that means our DS and our church board and myself uh, get together and we talk. Some of that is a review of me as pastor. What am I doing well? And what are the areas that God needs to work and grow in my uh, ministry and who I am as a, as a person, as an individual? But uh, we also gather <clears throat> to look at the church as a whole. What are we together doing well? And we saw some really good things. We have good reputation in the community. 
Uh, believe it or not, although we're a little behind in our giving right now, giving has increased over the last five years. And not just the amount, but the amount of people who are contributing and participating together. Those are good signs. We're a healthy church. But as we looked on the other side of the ledger, when we looked at what are the areas that God needs to grow in us as a church, one of those things that both the DS saw from what he had evaluated, both what the church board had said and what I as a pastor talked about, was the need to understand how we reach out to people and invite The big and fancy word for that is evangelism, but I want us to look at this because this is crucial. This is really connected to the fiber of who we are as a church within the tradition of the Church of the Nazarene. This is taken from one of our articles. You would think I just taught Nazarene history and polity or something. It's Article 10, um, and this is one section of it, but I was really um, uh, grabbed by this as uh, as I taught this to my students. And it said that the church fulfilled fills its mission by making disciples. Full stop. That, that is our mission, to make disciples. Do you know that? That is our number one goal. Now you may think, what's a disciple? If you don't know what that is, that's okay. You're not alone. A disciple is someone who has been found by Christ and has made a decision to follow after Christ. To live and to love just like Jesus did. They want to learn everything that Jesus taught. They want to live that lifestyle out in their lives. That's what it means to be a disciple. And our goal, the church says, is we fulfill our mission by making disciples. Now, how do we do that? Through evangelism, through education, through showing compassion, working for justice, and bearing witness to the kingdom of God. This isn't something Pastor Jeff came up with. This is something we've had in our manual for a hundred years. This is our mission. And what the DS and what we were trying to do in that moment is to say, how are we doing on on the mission? And we looked and we said, man, education, I think we do pretty good. Our life groups, we have Sunday school classes, we have children's things that are going on, we have a youth program, we have all those things. Um, uh, edu- uh, showing compassion, we have our Haverhill outreach, we, we have a food bank, we do those things. Working for justice, we're sending out a missions team to refugees in Croatia. Um, we are, we also, our food bank, our, our clothing bank, we have some benevolence, and, and we bear witness to the kingdom of God. We're good at saying, God is here, we, we believe even God. But I think the area that we need to grow in and what this series is all about is taking that one small step to say that our goal to help us really fulfill the mission of making disciples is we have to begin to understand this big, scary word called evangelism. Now, some of you are already scared. I'm not asking you to go and be a street preacher. Okay, You don't have to show up on the Kalamazoo Mall with a microphone or a megaphone or anything along those lines. This is something that is good. And, I, and please, don't get me wrong. This isn't like F, you fail, or we fail, because I'm part of you. God, I believe God has us right where God wants us. I believe that God has helped us grow in the ten years that we've been together. 
We are a warm, you all are a warm, friendly, wonderful bunch of people. When people come in that door, I think they feel welcome here. From the greeters, to the connection staff, to the ushers, to the people that sit with you, that you get to know people. I know that you get to know their name. I know you come and find me. You introduce them to me. All of that is wonderful. And God has grown that. The Holy Spirit has helped us grow in that area over the last ten years. I think that's wonderful. The next small step, though, is that we don't just wait in here for people to come in the door. We go and we find them. And you take the small opportunity to realize that evangelism is just sharing the best part of your life with others. That's, that's all it is. That's really what evangelism is all about. It's about sharing the best part of your life with others. Now, we're going to look at a couple things uh, in this series, starting off this series. We're going to look at evangelism. We're going to look at the method of evangelism. And then we're going to look at the message of evangelism from the passage of Scripture that we looked at today in John chapter 4. So first of all, I want us to look at the method. When we see right there at the beginning uh, what she does, we see that evangelism is simply telling other people about what Jesus is doing in your life. Look at, at, at verse 39 right there. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This this is her message. I, I know that that sounds like a strange opener. Come meet the person that told me everything I ever did. We're going to get into that. That's part of the message. But I want you to notice the method. She simply left her water jar and she went to tell the people in her village what Jesus had done for her right then and there. It was in that moment that he said, I want to tell you what Jesus is doing. Sometimes I think that we think that evangelism and giving a testimony is telling someone what Jesus did for me 35 years ago. That He saved me. It changed me. And please don't get me wrong, that's not bad. But the truth of the matter is, people want to know what is Jesus doing for you? The emphasis is on the is for a reason. What is Jesus doing right here, right now? Do you know that Jesus didn't just save you 25 years ago? Jesus is with you in this moment, right here, right now, today, moving in your life. Do you know that? If you don't, can I tell you that maybe you fell in love with an idea and a concept, but you were called to fall in love with a person who is with you always. And so, I just thought today... Why don't we take just a moment to take one small step? Now, for some of you, this is a big step. We're going to get a little interactive here, okay? Is that all right? All the introverts cower. So you extroverts, step up here, okay? I want us to think about evangelism for a second. What is Jesus doing in your life today? What has Jesus helped you with last week? Where is Did Jesus help you in a job? Did, did Jesus help you with an attitude? Did Jesus help you go and apologize to the person you offended? Did, did Jesus 
lavish love on you when you were in a down moment? Did Jesus take you through an illness? Did Jesus take you through and support you in the midst of something that was going on? This is what it means to be evangelist, to share about what Jesus is doing in your life today. So I want to, I want to, we'll start with just one person. Now, come on, I want you, I want you to know, this is not about 25 years ago, okay? That's okay, there are times for that. This is about now. What has Jesus done? What has Jesus done for you this week or this month? Okay? We're, we're just limited to that amount of time. Can I hear from one person who's willing to share that? Yes, Carla. Stand up. Stand up. A creative idea. Jesus gave you a creative idea that helped you where? At work. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, that was super sweet and short. Do I have another one? Yes. Giving glory in the hard times. So you're feeling His strength in the hard time and you're praising Him even though it is difficult. Amen. Good. That's another one. Man, you guys are super sweet and short. I think we can do a third person. Do we have one more person? Yes, Sharon. Healing you. You've been through back surgery. You've been through a lot of pain. And you're saying Jesus is a part of the healing. Even though you had surgery and doctors, God worked through them to heal you. Amen. That's good. That's good. Yes, Katrina. Okay. Yep. Amen. You're, you're resting in God's strength as you are going to meet someone from your past, painful past. You don't know what's going on. I'm saying this so people on the podcast will hear. And you're trusting that Jesus is walking with you to do this. This is going to be a change, a, a real, a moment of courage for you. Awesome. Yes, one more. He helped you show love in a very difficult relationship. That's wonderful. I think so often we forget that this is the good news. That there is help available when we need courage, when we need help with a difficult relationship, when we need help with physical pain, when we need help in the hard times, and when we need creative ideas at our job. Jesus is available then. That's good news, isn't it? That's the method. That's what happened. She just went and she shared and she told them. And then they came and they heard His words for themselves. And they made a change. They said, now we don't believe because of what you said, but we have heard for ourselves. And we know that He's the Savior of the world. You see, that, that, that wasn't a giant step. That was one small step. But we, you and I, and I wrestle with this as well, we have to get in the mindset of looking for where is Jesus helping me in the right now? In the moment. Because I could be really tempted in a job interview, not that I'm out job interviewing, to think, well, you know, my resume got me this job. Or, you know, my talents and abilities got me this job. Or those kinds of things. Can we say... No, Jesus helped me. God enabled me to learn all these things and have a resume. But it was Jesus who helped me in the interview. 
And I walk into this new thing in His power and His strength. We have to learn to look and give praise where praise is due. In the moment. That's the method. Alright, let's look at the message just briefly. Although, I really don't want to be brief. So we may go over a little bit. All the kids are here though, right? Good! Alright, kids! Snuggle into mom or dad and let's, let's hunker down for a bit. I want us to look at the message, and really the message of this whole thing takes most of chapter 4 to tell. So we're not going to read all of it, but I encourage you where we started at verse 39, you can back up to verse 1 and you can look at it. Let me tell you the story just briefly. The story is that the Bible says, it starts off with Jesus saying in verse 4, now He had to go through Samaria. And Jesus goes through Samaria and He goes to a well. He's walking. It's hot. He His disciples go into the town to get food. And there He meets a woman at the stroke of noon, uh, which is not the time that people would come and get water. They would come early in the day when it wasn't hot. So we already know something's off. And He asks this woman for a drink of water. Now, you and I don't think anything of that right now. But in Jesus' day and age, these were huge no-nos. First of all, no Jew had to go to Samaria. They avoided Samaria like the plague. It would be like, imagine you and I hated Indiana. But we had to go to Chicago. So, if we were good, law-abiding Michiganders, we would go over to Toledo... We would travel down all the way down Ohio into Kentucky. We would go around the, 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 the little horn of that hated state of Indiana. And we would travel all the way back up the length of Illinois to get to Chicago. That's what Jews did with Samaria. They went way out of their way to avoid. That's no-no number one. He had to go? No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He went. Then, he was talking with a Samaritan. Another no-no. Jews and Samaritans don't talk to each other. They hate each other. They despise each other. I won't bore you with all the history of why they hate each other. But let's just say they hated hated each other. In fact, there's a story of one rabbi who was traveling through Samaria for whatever reason, and he was stopped by a Samaritan, and he said, where are you going? And that rabbi said, I'm on my way up to Jerusalem. And he said, why don't you worship God on this temple, in this mountain, instead of that pile of dung? It's pretty low. They hated each other, but Jesus goes there and Jesus talks to And then it's a woman. And men and women did not communicate, especially in public and especially when they were alone. All three of these Jesus breaks. Can I just take just a moment to say that Jesus shows us that God gets to determine who God is. God gets to determine where God shows up, to whom God shows up, and when that conversation takes place. If God is God, He gets to determine that. And God that is shown to us in Jesus shows us a God who is not going to abide by our cultural our cultural norms that exclude people. If God wants to show up, God gets to show up. That's why we call Him God, right? And so we see this. But He offers her living water. She wants this living water, and Jesus does something. He says to her, go and call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, I know. You've had four. 
And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Now, let's pause there for a second. Because I want you to know there are two different ways that we interpret this passage. Because it seems really weird that Jesus would confront her with this whole thing and get gut-level honest and all this kind of stuff. And she would go away excited to tell everybody, come and meet somebody who told me everything I've ever done. There's got to be something different going on that Jesus does here. And so I want you to know there are two different ways to interpret this passage. The first way is the way of our scholars, and probably most of us have heard a sermon or five preached along this line, that this was just a a woman of low moral character who kind of jumped from husband to husband to husband, and then eventually she just didn't even do the whole formal ceremony thing. We'll just live together. And, And Jesus, in offering her living water and her saying, I don't have a husband, and him getting gut-level honest with her. We think that to receive living water means that there has to be some change. And for change to happen, there has to be a level of honesty with the One who is offering the cleansing gift of living water. And this is true. This is a truth. I want you to know this. This is a capital T truth. This is very true. And it's not just true in this moment of this woman's life. It's true in our lives. I mean, this is true truth. I mean, even 12-step programs have been telling people who are addicted to substances for decades that if you want to see change, any kind of change, you have to begin with, I have a problem and my life is unmanageable. That's where you have to begin. And so there is an interpretation of this passage that I believe is true that says she had to be honest. She needed Jesus to say, here's where you are. This is the beginning. And she kind of argues back and forth with Him about cultural norms and theological issues. You can read that all for yourself. But in the end, Jesus is still standing there and Jesus is still talking with her. And she finally says, Oh, I know that when the Messiah comes, He will teach us. He will teach me all things. And Jesus says to her in the midst of her honesty, in the midst of her life and the shambles that He had made, that He Himself was the One. And He was there in the midst of her sin and her brokenness, He was there. And He didn't run away. He stood firmly with His arms open to say, I, the One you are speaking to, I am that One. I am He. I am the Anointed One. I am the One who can forgive. And there was something about that that caused her to race home and tell everybody to come. Now, now this interpretation has caused a lot of us and a lot of pastors to spend a lot of energy trying to get people to the gut level honest. And sometimes that's really good and it's what people have needed. But there's also times when that confrontation became more about shame than it came about salvation. About announcing the One who is standing firmly in love with arms outstretched in the midst of your broken life. 
And we are called, I believe firmly, that Jesus understood that people will never dare to be vulnerably broken and honest about their sin until they see the One who is infinite love standing before them, open arms wide, offering living water. And I will preach that till the day I die because I know it to be true. It is only when I saw His infinite love that I could come to wrestle with the inner brokenness that only He could heal in me, Jeff McVeigh. And He will do the same for you. Because He is here in love. I think this is why Paul in Ephesians 3 says, I want you to know what every church person should know. The height and the depth and the breadth and the width of the love of God that is found in Christ. Because it's only then that you can be gut-level honest about how broken and sinful your life has become. And He will be there, standing there, saying, I, the one you are speaking to, I am He, and I'm offering you living water. And it will cleanse you to the depths of your soul. (laughs) That's one interpretation. How are we doing? The other interpretation comes not from the Western and First World countries, But I was introduced to it actually through our former DS, John Seaman, who was a missionary in Africa. And it comes more from the third world countries. And he would say when they had this passage read to them that they understood the woman's plight. He said, I think it's because maybe their culture was closer to the culture of Jesus' time. And they understood that that woman was powerless. That woman didn't choose to be married like we do. Somebody paid her dad to have her as a wife. And they knew, as it was in those times long ago, that a woman could be given a certificate of divorce if she burned too many meals. She may not have been a loose woman. She might have been a terrible cook. And that would mean that it didn't mean that she could just leave and go find a job and support herself and get an apartment on Main Street. No, it meant she went home in shame and begged her family to take her in again. And then hope that another man would pay her dad again so that she could be married again. And this has happened not once, not twice, not three times, which the law said was okay, but you know, but beyond that, now, now it's gone beyond that. And now maybe her family's not even taking her in again. They're like, there's something wrong with you. There's something broken in you. We don't want you here. We can't, we can't wrestle with this anymore. I'm tired of it. And so she just has to survive. So she could either find a man who would take her, or she could beg, or she could sell herself. This is this interpretation. A woman who has no power and has been used and abused all over the city until now she's basically a glorified maid with extra services. I'll say that because it's family to Sunday. And it is this woman who appears at the well. And it is this woman to whom Jesus offers living water that will cleanse her and heal her. And it is this woman whom this interpretation from these third world countries would say they knew. And it became good news because what it meant was this was the first man in her life who understood exactly what she had been through. 
and knew what she needed was living water that would satisfy and quench and heal the brokenness that had been done to her. Is this good news? What is your small step today? As we begin 2019, do you need... Jesus, to stand in the midst of your sin and your brokenness and offer you living water? Are you ready to know that He loves you so deeply that you could begin 2019 with a small step to say, I will be vulnerable, I will acknowledge where I am broken in sin, and I will ask and I will receive the living water that only He can give that will cleanse me and heal me? Is that your small step today? Or maybe it's the other. Maybe things have been done to you, done upon you. You have just seemed to, life has just seemed to beat you down one step after another. And your small step is you need to begin 2019 trusting that Jesus, the one who speaks, is with you in the midst of what life has done to you. And you still need the living water that can bring the healing on the inside all the way down deep. Is that you today? What is your small step? Well, let's wrap it up. I want to want to tell you about this guy. He doesn't look like it, right? He look, he looks like a scholar of some sort. But this is one bad hombre. <laughs> and um, he he was um, he was an apprentice to his dad on a ship in England in the middle of the 1700s. And he was so rebellious that he actually got conscripted. Now that, that, that's a really rough form of drafting. You know, you know, in the draft, you, you put your number, you know it's a possibility. Conscription is you do something so bad that that uh, Navy captain just grabs you by the back of your neck, throws you on his ship and said, you're in the Navy. And it's not a good place in the Navy. And this guy mouthed off to a, a captain or something, and he was thrown into the ship, and he became a navy man. And he was whipped and beaten. He kept, he just couldn't keep his mouth shut. He kept mouthing off. And eventually, whenever they were on shore leave, he would go and try and find one woman after another woman after another woman. He would show up late. He would get left at port. And eventually, he just completely left the navy. He went AWOL. Now, that's not like us today where you might end up in the brig. That was a a shameful thing. That was something that followed you around for the rest of your life. And eventually, he wound up getting pushed in and he was only place he could find was to be on a slave ship. And even there, he was found to be so debased and so rude and so uncouth that the captain of a slave ship beat him and whipped him, starved him, chained him like a slave, and eventually made him become a slave on Sierra Leone. And it was there, after that, when he was finally finding his way, someone handed him a copy of a book that basically summed up the imitation of Christ. And he began to wonder, what is this all about? And there was something happened for him that was so radical that he... John Newton would go on and write a song called Amazing Grace. Probably one of the most 
familiar songs on the planet. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You may have cringed at that word sometimes as you're singing it. John Newton knew what it meant to be a wretch. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What is your small step for 2019? I know it's about seven minutes after 12. And I know it's Family Sunday, and kids, you are doing an awesome job. But I think that some of us need to make that small step today. For some of you, it's the method. You need to grab a postcard, and you need to just begin to share what God is doing in your life with those around you. But I believe that there are some people this year who want to start 2019 and say, I am that woman who is broken and life has beat me down. And I need to know the Jesus who offers living water right now. And there are some of you who know your patterns, your habits, your sin, your brokenness, and you need to trust that the God of love stands before you and you can be vulnerable and you can confess your sins and you can receive living water today in this moment right here and know that there is forgiveness and healing and cleansing and that Jesus is the one who goes with you from this place. So I ask you, my friends, are you ready to take that one small step? Can we begin not just a series, but a new way of life together today? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we're beginning 2019 and we want to take that one small step like that woman did so long ago. And so help us today in the midst of our sin and brokenness to know and encounter Your expansive love that frees us up to be vulnerable and confess and receive living water from Your hand. And if 2018 in life has battered and beaten us and our life is in shambles and we just can't seem to get our heads above water, can we receive from You today knowing that You understand where we are and You're in the midst of it and You're longing to give us the water that will quench our thirst and help us as we move into 2019. Today, give us boldness. Don't let us be complacent. Don't let us get out of this place until we know that You are with us. Until we receive the gift of living water that brings life all around us to the deepest parts of who we are, help us today to say yes to You. Because then we will have the message that says, I need to tell somebody else that there's living water for them as well. Help us, Lord Jesus, today. I feel like I I want to open the altars. I feel there are some folks here who just need a place to kneel and pray and say, "I'm, I'm like that woman. And and if for you it's all about, 
I just feel beat up in life and I, I just can't get my head above water and I just need to know that Jesus is in the, in the storm with me. He is with me in the midst of these things and He's offering me living water. If you want to come to this side of the altar right here in this place, in this moment, you can come now. If that's you, you're saying, I just need to know that Jesus is with me, that He, the One who is speaking, is with me now. He's not leaving. He's offering me living water in the midst of the difficult situations that I've had. This side of the altar is for you. You come right now. Don't wait. Just come. It's okay. We're just going to have someone pray with you that will help you to, to know this and to help you with words. If that's you, you just need to know that Jesus is with you in the midst of the storm. Come right over here on this side of the altar. The harder part, are you willing to take the small step that says, I know my brokenness. I know my sin. I know the things that I struggle with. I know the patterns in my life that I just can't seem to get a hold of. And I need to know that Jesus is right here with me in the midst of this. And He is saying that He loves me and His love is encountering me. I can be vulnerable. I can confess. I can say, Jesus, help me. I need living water. If that's you, I want you to come to this side of the altar. I know this is difficult. This is one small step. Are you willing to make it today? I know you're probably saying, my kids are here. So what? Your kids will see that there's a God who heals and loves. Just come now. It is okay. The one who spoke to the woman at the well is here today and He's offering living water. Will you come today and receive it? Take that moment. Just be vulnerable. Say, God, I need Your help. I need Your strength. I need Your forgiveness. It's all available. Would you come? Would you come? Are there kids? Are there teens who just need to say, I want to start 2019 knowing that Jesus is with me. This place is open for you. Don't leave here today without the living water that cleanses, that heals and helps. Come today. Come today. Can I get a few of my uh, folks who just know how to pray to come and gather around those who are here. I want everyone to know that they're not in this alone. That Jesus comes in the form of a church. He says, we are here with you and for you. We want you to know that Jesus is with you. Would you come and just gather around and pray for some, some of those who have gathered? Father, there are those who have come. And there may be some that this method doesn't work for. And so I pray, oh God, that if they're right now at their seat, saying, I, I just wish I could come, but I just can't. Would you help them to know that you're right there as well? Would you help them to say yes to you now, today? Help them to begin their 2019 with that small step that helps them to know and experience the living water. For that is Your desire for us. Father, teach us and help us as we move into 2019 to realize You're calling us to fulfill the mission of the church. And that is to share the best part of our life, You, with those around us. Teach us. Give us strength. Bring to our mind opportunities. And help us in all we do to give You praise and glory. For You are worthy of it.
We thank you in Jesus' name. There are folks who are praying around the altar. If you want to come and pray, you may come and pray. But let me bless you and dismiss you. Please go quietly. If you need to talk to somebody, talk to them out there, not in here, because people are doing some important work here. I pray you would go, take that small step of looking what God is doing in your life. I pray that you would know that you are invited to invite. And that's a part of who we are. I pray you will know the living water and the one who stands offering it. And I pray this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great, great afternoon.